We have a guest this episode, Rob Stith, who brought us a bunch of beer. I've literally known him for about five minutes right now. <laughs> and I'm just going to drink everything he brought, and I'm going to hope it turns out okay. And if it does, I think we should cheers to the serendipity of trusting a strange man from a strange land who comes bearing gifts. So cheers to that. Hey everybody, I'm Caleb. I'm Spencer. And this is the Mix Six, where we have six beers, have six conversations typically unrelated to beer, and do a five-point rating system. Uh, and because that's such an enticing mathematical formula for podcast gold, we have a special guest today. So Rob, you want to introduce yourself? Uh, sure thing. My name's Rob Stith. I'm the host and producer and director and everything else of the Orpheus Protocol. It's a actual play podcast in which we play the role-playing game that i'm currently developing and will hopefully bring to kickstarter when i am satisfied that it is absolutely perfect love a fellow game designer (laughs) in the trenches always good to have thank you for coming and more importantly thank you for (laughs) filling ross's fridge with beer it's a double whammy like we're happy to meet new people we're also really happy to meet new people who bring beer let alone unicorn beer which is what what we're going to talk about in segment one today well Uh, yeah that's a teaser though we got to get to a rating system we really do i know you're excited and chomping at the bit. And just so everybody knows, we'll be giving him some Mother's Brewing beer to, to take home with him. So it's it's not a be- it's a beer exchange. Yeah, like, so for all of you who are worried about the parody, some urban chestnut, yeah, yeah. yeah some good I, stuff. I prefer yeah. to think of it as I give a gift without any expectation of a gift in return, and then you give a gift out of pure kindness as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah there we go. Great. Sure. Because yeah. I, know, I know all of you are really worried about balancing the scales here, so now you know the scales are balanced. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, as you know, if you've listened to any of our Mixed Six podcasts before, we typically rate our beers on a five-point scale, uh, and that changes with episode to episode. And so today, while you'll probably hear this in November or December, depending on how the internets and calendars work out, we're recording this only days before Halloween, and so we've decided to use Halloween movies for kids as our rating systems. And the for kids thing is a really important condition, because I didn't want to get stuck in like horror films. I wanted to talk about movies that you watch growing up, where you're like, hot damn, that's a really great movie, because I'm seven, Okay. Also, for what it's worth, little asterisk, I rewatched Adam's Family and Adam's Family Values this morning. Mm. Still wouldn't have made the list. Okay, I just want to let you know that. Okay, but the list is an integer, right? That's Would right. it be on the list is like a decimal? Uh, you know what? We can talk about this later, but honestly, having rewatched them today as a 31-year-old and not having seen them since I was a 13-year-old, those movies are fucked up. Adult right? Wednesday Adams was the best YouTube series ever, and uh, it's a goddamn crime they took it off the air. Absolutely I'm just saying, true. I just want to put that on the microphone, because I know everyone listens to this. Set in stone, <laughs> our rating system for today, uh, Halloween movies for kids. So as you know, if you've listened before, a one is a beer that has changed your life for the worse. You don't want to find it again. You don't want to see it again. You hope the brewery burns down. Uh, a one today is Halloween Town something. I don't even know what this is. Okay, so good. It seems like it should be a one. So it's one of those things that I think <laughs> Disney started, and they were like, "Hey, let's make a set of Halloween films." I could be wrong about the Disney thing. If I am, I'm sorry, Disney and all of you. But it's like one of those series of films, like Halloween Town, Halloween Town Two, Halloween Town High, and it's pretty much just all garbagey B-list actors doing weird Halloween stuff. Okay, so just get out of here with that. All right. My wife is insistent that Halloween Town is actually good and that halloween 2 and beyond is terrible which is why halloween town something is a it's one like today. saw movies that's they right. really lost control in the sequel that's right 
a two today, so a beer that isn't literally the worst thing you've ever had, but it's probably something you'd like to not find again, is The Haunted Mansion. I, excuse me. This is contentious. Like, Rob, are you with me on that? Like, you just said, not the worst thing I've ever had, and then followed it by The Haunted Mansion. All right. To be fair... <laughs> Here's here's the I don't think it I don't think it I mean I saw Pluto Dash I've seen worse there we have go. you there we go. have you seen worse I don't think it's the worst Eddie Murphy film by a comfortable mile because <laughs> okay well yeah that's the, not saying like, much Norbit was a thing so I feel like oh, the Jesus fact Christ. that we've approached <laughs> not peak Eddie Murphy suggests that it's not the worst thing ever but it's like bad I okay? will say that the distance between integers on this list is already a little bit eccentric yeah though. it's weird I'll give you that <laughs> we switch bases in our number system okay. through integers yeah okay. yeah yeah you well, didn't know that. Oh, okay. One's a 10. It's intricate. One's a 4,000. A three. So this is your run-of-the-mill. This is the expectation. So you've got a random kid, and they're just like, I want to watch a Halloween film. This is the one. Okay, so first off, you have a random kid, and they're like, you know, (laughs) return the kid. Okay? I mean, it's pretty Halloween-y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch out now. But, But, like, baseline Halloween film for children is Casper. I mean, Christina Ricci, Devin Sawa, Bill Pullman, dead kid turned to friendly neighborhood ghost. That shit is Halloween gold. And well, if you have a beer that is like, oh man, this is like this is what I expected when I ordered it, and I'll order another one because I know what I'm getting and I'm okay with getting it. That's a Casper, Rob. Well, and there was a dick joke in that movie, right? About a ghost dick. That's right. Yeah, and <laughs> and I feel that that is both amazing and horrible enough. Yeah. that the average would be anchored. To That's three. right. Exactly. It balances itself <laughs> out. There's a real positive and there's a real negative here. <laughs> A four, and this one could have been a five, but for the fact that there's literally a perfect kids' Halloween film that we'll get to in a second. But a four here is Coraline, because Coraline is fucking exceptional. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with Coraline being exceptional. It is fantastic. Yes, it's, very it's, good. You're disagreeing with the fact that it's a four, not a five, aren't you? Yes, I yeah. am. Okay. So a five, and what is literally the most perfect children's Halloween film is Hocus Pocus. All right. So here's the thing. I was on board until last night. Because I love you as a co-host, mm-hmm. and I trust your not as a friend though. Huh. <laughs> Can't help but notice that didn't make its way in there. Well, we're and done I here. Saw, this was fun, I, and I saw this on the notes, and I'm like, you we should rewatch Hocus Pocus. And yeah. so we literally sat in our living room, carved pumpkins. I killed it. I did the jack of jack o' lanterns pattern. Yeah, it's a jack o' lantern with a jack o' lantern for pupils in its eyes. It's meta as hell. It was mm. great, and I killed it. Uh, I want everyone to know. Um, gourds are impermanent and they fade, but podcasts are forever. We can know take photos that I was of it. Awesome. Yes, we should. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we watched Hoc- Hocus Pocus, and it is a fantastic film. Yeah, front perfect. to back. But talking about ghost ticks. A weirdly horny movie. It's like, terribly odd. A terribly horny movie. The virgin subplot of like him being a virgin yeah. and lighting the candle Max. to bring back Bette Midler for her fantastic musical performances. Right. Um, is just like you think it's a one-off line like a ghost dick. No, it comes back. It's the primary mm-hmm. through plot of the film. And when he defeats those witches and saves the town, it is clearly implied that he is gonna get so he's gonna get so laid for that right <laughs> and this is like a disney movie a cat just died it's an inappropriate time spoiler to get laid. alert binks dies so <laughs> yeah. thanks for just dropping that line caleb <laughs> rob you were telling me about your, your you had some issues with this well okay um <laughs> this night. this movie if we can control for the sort of 90s inappropriateness of some of that shit we cannot uh <laughs> sure um it contains one scene that alone would disqualify it from being a five for Uh-oh. me. And that is? Um, probably my go-to example of the most perplexing, unmotivated character action that's ever been taken in film. 
Um, we like, are not much, yeah. Uh-huh. No, no, just uh-huh. a minor, minor uh-huh. niggle. But uh, it's we get to near the climax of the film where the you know ye old soul draining potion uh-huh. is in play, uh-huh. getting real serious. Potion falls from the sky, and Max heroically catches the potion and drinks it instead yeah. of letting it break on the ground, assuring victory for the forces of good. I want to point out that the Wikipedia plotline <laughs> summary of this mm-hmm. says Max drinks the potion, apparently making himself a sacrifice. <laughs> Even Wikipedia doesn't know what the fuck was going on with that. And and yet okay, I want to just to be everyone, clear, having just watched the film literally hours ago. Max is not a smart child. <laughs> I think that's the trick. <laughs> it is firmly established yeah. that he is not firing on all cylinders. In terms of character arc, it's nearly perfect. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. like, do the right thing. Like, Because remember, after they think... He they, does the right thing, but ineptly, which it, is just his whole character. His, after they his think second they've, dark moment comes simply from idiocy. Yes. After they okay. think they've defeated the witches the first time, they're like, well, let's go ahead and dig in this spell book and yeah. read the shit anyways. Yeah, definitely which, do that. Which sets in motion the actual exposition for the film so I think that there's but something to be clear consistent. then they go bone right. which is my contention against Hocus Pocus <laughs> yeah. yeah you know what and that, and that woman to be fair gets punished infinitely by having been in Corky Romano later in life so yes, I feel yeah. like we all got our also Serica Jessica Parker's boobs in that film are inappropriate for children are they like, I don't remember that the bustier to hell and back well, quite don't. literally like well I don't they are just that. a poppin it's out there and assaultive well so for all of those reasons, Hocus Pocus is obviously a five. Uh, and Hard with to that, disagree. And with that, we're going to go get what is a unicorn of a beer that I've been wanting to try for literal years. And we'll be back on the other side to talk about dissecting our fun. All right. Spencer, what are you drinking? I need to tell a story before I get into this. So some years ago, I was in Chicago, and it was like the third time in a number of years that I had been in the area where Zombie Dust by Three Floyds Brewing is released. And I could never find it, never find it, never find it. I end up in Chicago at a bar. It had just been released. It's on the menu. And so excitedly, I order a Zombie Dust, and the bartender literally laughs at me. And I was like... What the fuck? She goes, yeah, we had it for an hour, and then it was all gone. And I, okay, that was a day ago. <laughs> I never thought I would it's get good to, to order something and then to receive instead right, scorn. Right, and it's like, well, then you should take it off your menu. <laughs> it's the best way, right. <laughs> best way to get a tip. Right. Best way to get a tip. So um, we are fortunate enough that Rob is from the area, camped out for this beer. And brought us a zombie dust. Thank you so much. So I am getting ready to try a zombie dust by Three Floyds. He brought a six pack of it. Which seems impossible. I didn't know they made more than one of them, like, (laughs) at all. I do want to say they something. They forged him like the one true ring. There's a guy on an anvil. I mean, I'm told by local uh, liquor store employees that the record, the record is that one six-pack sat on the shelf for three hours Jesus. Once. I can't even. Oh, well, sure. Yeah, absolutely. We don't often talk about beer ratings. How many people were camping out with you? Like four. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Were there a limit to how many each person could buy? 
No, but there's almost kind of a, a Bushido etiquette to it. <laughs> a mutually assured destruction right. kind of thing. If right. someone tried to buy all of them, they would not So survive. many duels in the parking they lot of Three Floyds. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. That's, that's the new Power by the Apocalypse and this game. And this is Indiana. <laughs> it would have been Gerber duels. tool It would have been real bad. Yeah. At sundown, it's just seppuku and decapitation. Just. We, we typically don't talk about beer ratings that aren't our own, but on Rate Beer, which is a pretty credible site, reasonably credible, uh, Three Floyds is a, a 100 overall score with 13. Would you just drink the motherfucker already? I, just, I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> You're killing me. All right, here we go. Stillwater rule applies for the good and the bad today. Right. So he is taking a sip. Oh, and so is Rob. They they both have it. Um, <laughs> Rob is quite satisfied with it. Uh, yeah, it's fucking perfect. Oh my God. <laughs> are you kidding me? Because like. Look, pale ales are not my thing anymore. I've been open about this. Yeah. I think that they're like inappropriately hoppy on the back end. It ruins the front. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb tried it. He looks like he had like a small and come to Jesus It's a fucking zombie moment. dust. Like, oh man, it's got great art too. It's I, like I'm a postmodernist. I'm just like, oh wait, the platonic forms do exist. Right, exactly. My oh, life has been a lie. Yeah. It, it is a singular narrative of life. It it's is a, the platonic ideal of IPA. Ross is like, going in for a yeah. It's a hocus pocus, and it's not closest. It's it is. It <laughs> God, is it's just, so smooth and nice. Fuck yeah. you for that. Yeah, it's guys. If we had sixes, honestly, it's one of the. <laughs> I know that people have called for that. Uh, it is one of the best beers I've ever had. I was gonna make fun of you for responding to marketing until I tried it, and it's pretty good. It's <laughs> the hype. is I'm real. still angry about it. Anyway, you'll the get a bottle. Anyway, so we'll real. just tack there Nightmare six Before total. Christmas on the end of this <laughs> thing. Call it a six. Yeah, yeah. No, this is. Uh, uh, I guess we should talk about other stuff. So, so Caleb, what are we talking in about? Dissecting our fun. We are talking about our top three Desert Island games. Uh, if you could only play three games again for your whole life, which games would you play? I'm so excited to talk about this um, because – oh, go ahead. Rachel. Oh, well, uh, so Desert – so you get other players though. but you can. I think play. we assume whatever your context is that you sort of – Jumped to when you read the question. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you are you, these solitaire games or games? I assumed I was by myself. Okay, but so I consulted game. with no one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm open to either. If you tell me that it's a game that's cooperative, because you yeah. also ended up there with other people, that's fine. I assume these games were my Wilson. Yes, that's what it is. That, that's my reading of it, but it can be other readings. Because those are those would be different, like solitaire yeah. games versus well, I, games I recognize you play. that. We, okay. can, we can state the kind producer, of... Well, producer I wanted Ross, to make sure that the listeners knew. If okay. you came to trouble shit, yeah. I will just give you a zombie dust and tell you to sit back and chill out, baby. Okay? All right. So, um, anyways, Rob, uh, as, our, as our guest, and now, frankly, after trying this, our new best friend, my new best friend... Um, uh, I'm going to let you start. So I, I, I don't know how familiar you are with the podcast. But we typically go in order. So you'll say your three. I'll say my three. Caleb will say his three. Yeah. Then you'll say your two. So sure, on and sure. so forth. Yeah, yeah. My, so I'll, I'll let you start. My list is a bit complicated by the question of whether these games are separated by rule set or by objects used to play them. Mm, fair. Um, so we'll just... We'll just say that I have a different number one if it's by objects used to play the game. I will assume that it is by actual game. Mm -hmm. And I did not assume that I would be by myself uh, because totally I'm relatively extroverted. And were I on a desert island by myself, I would die in the attempt of getting <laughs> off of it. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. So My game is a boat. 
Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's my favorite game. Like, the fuck off this island yeah. is, uh, is what it's called. But my fucking resource management survival games. Yep, it's like Steam all over. It's again. A, no, it's a resource survival management LARP. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that that seems like really buzzworthy. But yeah. my number three is a weird pick, but it would be Blood Rage, the Viking Ragnarok themed board game. I by just Eric got that Lang. for my birthday. I haven't played um, it yet. It Those is, miniatures are amazing. It is. I think my favorite board game wow, wow. that I have Ooh. ever played in my life. I have um, not played it, and I really want. Now that you own it, I'm like, well, we'll play it. Soon. I haven't read the rules yet, and so far I've gone so far as like, wow, the pubes on that frost giant are <laughs> significant. <laughs> you can see the well developed buttocks musculature on those giants. Yeah. He does. Is he does glorious. not skip leg day. Right? No, not whatsoever. But it combines <laughs> things like a like standard Magic the Gathering draft with an area control game with a bluffing and like mind games yeah, game. I want to play this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's unbelievable. It's so good. The only reason anything goes above this on my list is that if I'm on a desert island, I need unbelievable hackability and replayability. Yeah, totally. And this is a game that is so well oiled in its machinery that you wouldn't want to change any of the also you lose your valkyrie in the sand right that's not great no more valkyrie now valkyrie is like a little twig or something yeah so (laughs) number three is blood rage i loved this game so much that i snuck into the diana jones awards so that i could meet eric lang (laughs) two years ago at gen con (laughs) and it was great awesome uh caleb what's number three on your list uh i'm just gonna go with pandemic because i have variability in players it is very difficult and attacking me. It's also not a legacy version, so I can keep replaying it That's without right. using it. <laughs> Ruin the fucking board. And I am assuming I am by myself. So, That's fair. Uh, I can sort of play the you know four-dimensional chess it takes to yeah. do that game. And yeah. So I kind of like towed the line here of by myself, not by myself, and I tried to pick games that would satisfy both conditions and or just be like kind of fun to play over and over again. Mm-hmm. This might be an unpopular opinion, but Seven Wonders is number three on my list because there are so many ways to win the fucking game Yeah, that mm-hmm. it feels like you could exhaust strategies over the course of months, if not years, mm-hmm. um, given that you can score points through a variety of different avenues. So yeah. Seven Wonders is number three on my list. Rob, what's number two on your list? This is a, kind of a three-way tie. It's a type of game rather than a specific game, and I could take any of them. Um, Mansions of Madness, uh, the Conan board game that mm-hmm. came to Kickstarter a couple years back, maybe Descent, something like that that has a heavy sort of PvE yeah. Yeah, aspect yeah, yeah. to it and enough rules and enough little items and shit that I could just keep making new scenarios sure. of my own yeah. forever. Yeah. Um, and... Generate yeah, no. some dungeon crawling like uh, mechanic to these things. Go find more. Yeah, stuff. I mean, I assume for the purpose of this question that just saying like, "Oh, I would like to just bring red markets," or I'd like to bring the Orpheus Protocol or something, wasn't fair. Like <laughs> right. a yeah. like a tabletop role playing game would be the obvious choice if you have more than one person. Yeah, absolutely. But, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, this is a board game that more or less lets me. If kind I was of on a desert out. island, I would donate to the Mix Six Patreon. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yes, and then I would just, prepare to spend money on Party Foul. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then no, question why if I have, have you heard about DraftKings? It's great for people right. at Desert Island. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> EasyRollerDice.com. <laughs> yeah. uh, Caleb, number two for you. 
for me. Uh, it's a game I pretty much only play by myself. This is a sneaky good pick. Is uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse. This is great. I, oh. The, the oh, app yeah. version of that yeah. has entertained me for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. And if I don't have electricity, because I'm on a desert island, uh, uh, if I have a box of Sentinels, I could I could probably get by on that for you a while. You could simulate other characters all day. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then it, it runs, I mean, it, it automates it the runs villain itself. for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, no, it's a great pick. Number two for me, and kind of sticking in, in the vein of thinking that Rob's explored a little bit already, this like PVE, um, how many ways can I maximize different stories or different opportunities? Uh, mine's like probably a little simpler, and had I thought more deeply about this question, I probably would have gone with one of the things that Rob said. Castle Panic is like an oddly easy PVE tower defense game that you could probably automate multiple characters and make a variety of different decisions. Um, it's mm. it's admittedly not as deep as I would like now that I've heard your explanation of Mansions of Madness or some of those other things that I hadn't really... Descent in particular. Uh, but along the same line, I'd say Castle Panic. Uh, mm-hmm. So now we're on to number ones. Rob, number one for you. Um, this is the one that's kind of mutable. Um, if it's just a game, I, I have to go chess. Um, because... It's a perfect game right. that can be played an infinite number of times, and it's actually very good for playing against yourself. Yeah. Um, but if I get to say, like, oh, it's what I played the game with, it would be a fucking pack of cards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, not even for Solitaire. Like, you can... There are too many games that are played with a standard deck of cards. Literally and, too many. And there are, in fact, you know, uh, indie story game RPGs that you play with those. Right. Um, so, Upwind. Yeah, just... just <laughs> Forever, never ever bored the rest of my life on that island, uh, assuming I was not drowning trying to get off. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Caleb? I also went with chess, but for a different reason. Uh huh. So, all I know about being stranded on a desert island is that when you get off, you have some sort of superpower. Yeah. Mm. Right? Arrow, you're fucking good at archery. Uh, and other you're, things. You're imprisoned at solitary. Suddenly, you what can about Tom Hanks? What was this solve superpower? fucking mysteries in life. <laughs> uh, you, you can, you know, uh, re reconnect with the love of your life based on like stalking oh. her via our postal code that's a superpower um <laughs> if i'm gonna come off of that island with something other than scurvy and ptsd i want it to be like i'm like a kasparov chess genius because i have you know drilled my brain entirely playing both sides of chess against myself so i'm gonna go with chess because I want to leave with a chess superpower. Caleb, with another extra topical consideration, for those of you keeping score at home between <laughs> patron extra number four last time and this one, that's two in a row now. Um, number one for me, so I honestly, my, my consideration here was like, okay, what's just going to bring me infinite joy as a game when I'm just bemoaning the What fact has components I can put in my mouth to you know, maintain saliva Feel production? Feel like I'm alive again. That's <laughs> as I search right. for fresh water. And you know what? It's potion explosion. <laughs> it's bright. It's fun. It's a little bit stupid. Um, it feels like if I happen to stumble upon other people on the island, they too would be happy to clack marbles together. And for me, it's like, you know what? If at the end of the day, all I'm doing all day is like devising different strategies to use these potions differently against myself. You teach your adorable pet monkey to play it. Yeah, that's right. My volleyball could probably automate like a character <laughs> given the potion powers that you get to use. My thinking was, God, that would be so much fucking fun, despite the fact that I am all alone or with a friend that I may or may not have chosen, chosen given the construction of the island. Yeah. So, okay, so those are games that we'd take, Desert Island games, if we can only play three games again for your whole life. We're going to grab other beers, and when we come back, Rob will get to rate and review his first beer on the Mix 6, and we've got a This Was a Mistake that you don't want to miss.
Rob, no pressure, but it's your first official opportunity to rate a beer on what is probably at this point the most famous podcast in the whole world. <sighs> Clearly. Wait, uh, after RPPR. Oh, man. All yeah, the- definitely. Sure. I'm going to choke. I'm going to choke. Those McElroy's a distant third. Yeah. I believe in us. I believe in you. What are you, what, what are you drinking? I'm going to be drinking Upland <laughs> Brewing Company's Wheat Ale. Uh, they are from Bloomington, Indiana. I just brought all Indiana beers to this episode. Love it. It is a good, represent? a good friend of mine, Ben's favorite beer. Oh, wow. Uh, which I have never tasted in my life. Mm-hmm. So maybe um, you're not a good friend of Ben's anymore, is what I'm saying. <laughs> maybe not. Well, no, but right. one of the principal reasons is that I always give my Upland wheat to him. Because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. he has trouble getting it where he lives. Because Texas is an awful long God. way away from Bloomington, Indiana. Man. So um, I'm going to give this like a try. Are you like a beer Johnny Appleseed? You just go around. There really is some people. altruism there, here. The, yeah. All brewism. Giving. Oh, oh. <laughs> hashtag nailed it. Awesome point. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Bam. So yeah, maybe maybe so. I had never thought of myself that way, but uh, I'll take it. All right. So I'm going to get in here. So we're doing still, still water, water rule. rule. Yeah. yeah. Wow. All right. Taking a sip of it live. We don't want dead air, and he's thinking about it. Good he's, rings on the neck, though. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a it's it's an intense beer. It's we're he's reflecting on life and the meaning this of the made universe. Him think. It's yeah. Oh man, it's hard. I'm gonna need a little more. Just get back in there. This happens. As you know, if you've listened to any of our episodes, you can start somewhere and end up totally somewhere. I'm a else. retaster. I admit it. Yeah. 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 It's really good, and then the back end just there's a pleasant bitterness, yep. and then a little something less pleasant hidden beneath it. That's important. That's all part of the rating. Um. I usually discover this five minutes too late. (laughs) Casper and Coraline are fighting hard on this one. You gotta make a choice. Um, It's an energy system, man. But I I think given my past beer experience, I'm gonna call this a Coraline. This is this is something that if it was on the menu, I would feel like I was safe as a as a noob when it comes to beer. Like I, I would know that this is something I could go with and would be quite good, which for you guys would be a three, I guess. Yeah, but, it probably but would. For, uh, for, for me, given how often I end up not liking beer, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edge this in. No, that's a reasonable context yeah. and, and, frankly, a good explanation of why yeah, typically when we're trying to figure out three or four, we land on – if we're wondering if it's a three or four, it's probably a three. Either but I like, like the break here. Yeah. Yeah, so, I usually make the I'm choice gonna, by volume, unless you're which is not if a, there's a lot. Yeah, probably doesn't say sure. a lot <laughs> for me, but let's it's, just it's a valid. Criteria. Let's glide right past that it's and a, not examine it empirical. anyway. And this was a mistake. Uh, Jacob Derby asks, "When do you know to let go of a project that you've been working on?" Hmm. So I want I want to be to- yeah I was gonna I want to be totally honest. The reason I picked this question for this episode, I was really excited when I saw this in the show notes. So thank you, Jacob. Um, is because all of us have been through big projects. Rob, you're kind of like in the middle, maybe even more towards the tail end of a big project. Caleb, as we all know at this point, at the time of recording, Red Markets is shipping. Ross had a, like a, an MLG horn or something for that. Yeah. Mm, Anytime now. Right? Or a knocking just, on wood. Right, sound okay. yeah, just, you know what? Just go ahead and drink for that. Ross has obviously done a number of big projects, and I too have done a big project, and then we're also kind of in the middle of party foul stuff. So I thought this was a really good opportunity for people who have done projects that feel like they're extra influential on one's identity to talk about, yeah, and when did you know that that thing either needed to keep going or you needed to cut bait and try something else, or mm-hmm. maybe even not take a project for a while. Um, so, Rob, kind of initial call from you. You know, I know that the Orpheus Protocol is, like, well on its way. You're in the rules process now, just roughing that stuff out, kind of putting finishing touches so you feel good for Kickstarter. 
Um, but have there been other projects in the past where you got pretty deep and then you were like, God, I got to let this thing go. And how did you know that? Oh boy. Answering this question is going to take us into a dark chapter of my life. Yep. Um, okay. Episode nine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was a time that my good friend, John and I were working on screenwriting. We still do. We still do in a different way. Now, uh, we had a literary manager in LA uh, we were we were working with him and working with the company that he represented, and the only reason we were not certain that it was a scam after a while was that no one was making any money. No one was taking any fees. It was still pure, like, if you get anything out of this, I get paid. Mm-hmm. So there there had to be, hmm. like, the, the impetus had to be actually getting this out, getting it marketable and getting it marketed. Um, but... What we have come to learn is that this company, whose name I will not say, um, is not intended to make money. Hmm. It is intended to be a theme park for the president's ego to play in. It is a stable of hopeful writers who will continue to write and receive notes from this person who cannot come to completion without dispensing screenwriting wisdom to people who he deems less intelligent than Mm -hmm. himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it turns out also that this company shuts down every few years, changes its name, and makes low-budget films based off of the premise generation exercises that it forces its writers to do. Wow. Um, We had a TV pilot, which was the first thing that we wrote together, and... Oh my God, did we go through a lot of drafts of that project because it wasn't about ever being done. It wasn't about ever making it better. It was about he needed to tell us that something else was wrong with it every single time. We went through, not joking, hundreds of drafts of a one-hour TV drama pilot. Mm -hmm. Um, So I learned this Which is more than anything on ABC has ever gone through. Fair to say. I, I... we, so I learned this concept by failing at it worse than I feel maybe anyone who has lived through the experience has ever failed at it. Yeah. Um, but eventually, we were just so depressed and defeated feeling that we decided just purely for fun to write another TV pilot. We had ended up working with like three different projects with these guys. Mm-hmm. We're like, we're going to do one without them. Mm-hmm. We're not going to tell them about it. Because right. if we even breathe a word about it, they're going to want to start giving development notes. Yeah. Right. Um, we're just going to do one for fun and see what the process would be like if we were not constantly be give, giving notes that change tons of like core things about the story and then get notes that contradict them the next time and yeah. like end up getting notes that change it back to how it was four drafts ago sure. and, and all this nonsense. Oh my God. And it went so well <laughs> and so smoothly. And we were like, this is objectively a better piece of writing by right. far than any of the other projects we've worked on. And shortly thereafter we fired our manager and almost immediately started making valuable contacts. And now we've successfully kickstarted a feature film that is in post-production right now, starring Buffy the Vampire Slayer's Amber Benson. Holla. Uh, nice. A, a horror film, uh, hopefully coming out maybe next year. Awesome. Maybe early the year after that. It just yeah. kind of depends. And right. what's it called? Uh, the Nightmare Gallery. The Nightmare. Awesome. All right. Love that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. is a cosmic horror uh, sort of relationship drama crossed with Lovecraftian stuff. Going on, in we that. like all of those. Words. It's a big genre, yeah, uh, yeah definitely very popular. It's uh, it's miserable and hopefully thought provoking. So, uh, uh, so and that 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 learned me right quick. Sure, that, like yeah. you know that like when when people's intentions 
yeah. are Toxic. almost certainly bad, you should just assume yeah. they're bad and yeah, move sure. on. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, but I don't know as I've ever actually quit a project just 100% with my own involvement. I mean, that's a valid reason. Uh, Toxic collaborators. Self-control self like- is something I probably just don't have. Uh, I do too many things and I bite off too much. But when other people are making it unnecessarily hard, I have at least learned how to say enough is enough. Yeah, yeah. And and so the, that imposition of like external malice, right? Like uh that's interesting to me because for me all of the all of the things that came to mind when I thought of this question were all internal, the thing that you've identified you don't have. So I'm yeah. kind of interested and that's probably because most of my stuff never makes it into the world to be, you know, evaluated by other people. That's my defense mechanism. Caleb, uh from your perspective, the times you've let go of things, and I'm sure you've let go of a million things before you got to the stuff you didn't let go of. Yeah. Was that internal, external? Oh, entirely internal. Okay. Why? Uh, I think good artists hate themselves more than any critic ever could. And as a result of that, if it gets past the internal censure of me, it's pretty powerful already. Right. The only thing that would make me quit is having that internal censure like confirmed and like, oh, the things I thought were wrong were wrong. And then there are additional things that are wrong. And normally when that happens, it happens extremely early in the process. So I cut bait. Like right. real fast. Yeah. So like we tried a Western game once that I was like, well, this is imperfect. And then everyone hated uniformly. And then I quit. Like, so, I didn't hate it. So, oh, you did not like it. There's tape, to be clear. So this is not like an invisible problem. We have audio of this and we could listen to it if we wanted people to suffer. Uh, so, yeah, I cut bait real fast after that because that was a few hours work at that point yeah. of me getting over my own internal, uh, you know, sensor and then when like a chorus joins in i'm like oh in unison they are saying quit right when it's when it's the uh, internal so i thing, quit yeah when it's the internal thing and you get any external validation it's like well it must be as bad as i thought it was mm-hmm. and then, then like light it on fire yeah well I, I don't even do the external validation if you're validating the things i already think that are wrong with it i'm okay yeah all right i'm on the board i need to fix those things yeah but like when you're doing that and adding a chorus of things that i've never thought of before yeah at that point i'm like well i'm gone like right. it's and and then there are certain things were like well i i understand there's a problem with this but i didn't think there was a problem with this or um this mechanic is working and i didn't think it was going to work but this other mechanic doesn't work like at that point i feel like i'm weighing things i'm you know the pendulum is swinging one way or the other and i don't keep hacking at it right but if it's just like oh everything i thought was wrong with it is wrong with it plus all these other things i didn't know was wrong with it and were early yeah like because if it's late i will cussedly you know, put my head down going. and bull through it. Right. But if it's early, I'll be like, eh, maybe not. Talk maybe later. Yeah. Not doing that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Producer Ross, I know you've probably been through a million projects at this point yeah. in your life. Uh, the ones you give up on, why do you give up on them? Uh, well, I can th- the two of, well, the biggest reason is that I, I, I start and then I realize I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, mm-hmm. Like there was a novel that I started uh, working on and I got about 20, 24,000 words in. And then I realized I have no idea where this is going. There are too many characters. There are subplots going on. And then like this was the thing that like it was useful because then I like then I discovered Scrivener. I'm like, oh, my God, this is what I need right. to organize mm-hmm. a large part. Because I was literally just using one word file. And once you get about 20,000 words in, you're like, what the fuck happened right. three chapters It's pretty ago. daunting to look at. Yeah. yeah. 15,000 uh, words you don't, ago. You just don't remember what happened. Right. And you, you're just constantly going back. And then you, when you, by the time you reread that section, you forgot what you were doing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have that file. And yeah. it's 100,000 words. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then another one, uh, very early on in my career as an RPG writer, uh, I... 
pitched this idea to a company and uh, a modern horror thing, and then I signed a contract, and then I looked at the con- then I looked at the contract and thought about it. And the the contract, <laughs> I didn't really think about it ahead because again, this was early on, uh, and then I realized I was working just for royalties. So in a si- I was like they weren't paying me at all for right. the finished work. Oof. I was just going to get royalties, and so I'm realize I'm just giving them forty percent of my sales for the for what yeah you know and so i'm like i just emailed them back it's like i'm not doing this (laughs) (laughs) and then i just gave up on it so some internal and some external stuff yeah yeah Yeah, internal external uh but yeah so the big there have been other projects where it's just and then i i i get a lot of ideas and i write them out and i outline them and then i'm like oh i have five other things i need to do so i never go back to it see for me that's the problem like so the problem is almost exclusively internal and it's always twofold one is oh i've got a good idea and then i think on that idea for like two or three days and it just keeps coming back and i'm like well you know what i've been thinking about it for more than a day therefore it must be a good idea but it never gets written down because i have this like blank canvas problem which is if i can't write out the bulk of the thing it's not worth writing so these things are lost to history so this is a promise i want to make to you i have had the two or three most brilliant ideas in history the problem is i've already forgotten them and they never got written down anywhere you know what i mean and ideas aren't worth anything that's exactly right yeah 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 so when they do get written down then the problem becomes kind of the producer ross problem kind of the the caleb problem which is a thing gets far enough along that I start evaluating. I get lost in the, I've written a couple pages. Now how do I turn this into a full-length a full length novel that people will want to buy? And the gap between where I think this thing could end up and where I am is so daunting and ambiguous and ridiculous that I go, yep, time to, time to just put that away. And then I forget it. Um, and so that thing just dies on me. Um, and so for me, it's oftentimes the inability to reconcile. Don Parson said this to me when I was writing my dissertation. I was like just spewing at him all the problems that I had with my dissertation. And he said, and how many words have you written? And I said, I've got three pages. <laughs> and he goes, well, you should go home and write a paragraph and then come back and talk to me about writing whole dissertation. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's for me, that's where things die in the okay. translation mentally between the finished product that I think should be perfect and, and beloved. And the, also today, I need to write a word. Uh, trying to navigate that ambiguous gap mentally is impossible for me. See, I have to realize it's going to be shit and not toxic waste. Like, once I realize, like, well, it's going to be flawed and imperfect, but I'm like, everything's fucking shit. So why don't I just make some shit and make some money off of it? Right, right. And then I start typing. Yeah. But when I'm just like, oh, no, it's it's just... It's just bad. It's just garbage. It's just it's worse than shit. Right. Then I stop. But, like, once I know it's, like, just crappy and imperfect, well... Congrats. The, so is everything. The, the good news. We all live in a nihilistic hell without meaning. Okay, so. nihilist Arby's. The, hey, man. Hey, it, nihilist Arby's get shit done. Like, why not type? Very, very why, popular. Why not Twitter. type if there's no meaning? So right. yeah, I just, I just tippity tap. Then the, the good news for me and you all know this because I speak lovingly about CW shows is that I have no internal metric for what is shit and not shit. None. Uh, and I, so, I appreciate that honesty. And so that for me is never the problem. It's how do I get my shit to be really long popular shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, on that note, thanks so much for the question, Jacob Derby. We're going to get more beer, we're going to get more topics, and we'll be back in just a second. Caleb, what is that? Our second beer from Three Floyds is Holla. what it is. It's the Alpha King... Pale ale. It's got some full blown lone wolf and club, cub shit on the fucking <laughs> holy shit. It does sticker like. Uh, so I'm gonna give that a shot. 
Bridgeloids does not skimp on the ornamentation. Yeah. Well, neither did Sun King, to be fair. Like, Indiana breweries seem to pretty aggressive. go pretty uh, uh, all in on the advertising. Three Floyds can do a pale ale that I like. Which is important. Which is saying something. Nigh impossible. Yeah. So, <laughs> is that a core line? Uh, that's definitely a core line. Give me that. Yeah. I don't it's believe solid. that. It's a high-scoring episode already. Yeah. Um, I'm well, gonna, we brought it down last episode. We really did. Yeah, this feels like a correction from yeah, where we've yeah. been. Yeah, um, Caleb, while we're all um, kind of tasting this Alpha King, what are we talking about? Well, in getting lit, your number two vote getter for this week, Levi has suggested we talk about a book that we didn't think, uh, a book you did think would be awful, but you ended up enjoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, a book you did not think you would like, but ended up quite enjoying. So... Uh, we each have one for this. Oh, that is a good pale ale. So uh, I'll go ahead and start. Mm, totally um, different. So Joseph Conrad. Mm. I knew every reason to dislike Joseph Conrad before I'd ever read Joseph Conrad. So like the inexplicable framing device of having direct quotes from this sailor. Like you had a fucking tape recorder on him in 1890 or whatever the story is set. The uh, racism accusations, which are founded by Chinwe Achebe, the, all sorts of stuff. Um, I knew all the reasons to dislike Conrad before I read Conrad. But then I was forced to read Heart of Darkness, which is the role of any good English teacher to hold a gun to the Literally head of a child and say, read this or else. Um, and I was very thankful for it. Um, I love Heart of Darkness. I like Lord Jim. I like Nostromo. Like Conrad's one of my favorite authors now. I acknowledge all of the other things they say about him is true. Like it's ridiculously mannered. And it is, you know, from the early 19th century. So therefore racist. Um, but uh, I like it. Yeah, it's very good. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Rob. Uh, same experience with that book. Mm-hmm. Um, forced to read it in don't remember if it was it must have been senior year yeah i was uh, mine was an ap um, that was my yeah, AP I, think it, book. I think it was an ap book and um, my teacher literally said read heart of darkness and no matter what the question is talk about heart of darkness mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you gotta love an ap <laughs> very similar experience it was it was violent and forceful the reading and i was glad by the end yeah um for me this is a weird angle to take at the question but i think that it's technically within the bounds love of it. uh it's going to be Moby Dick um, because this is a book that I was taught and made to read either three or four times over the course of both high school and college getting a literature really? degree. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the first time that I read this book, so this isn't even just a book I thought that I would hate. It's a book I hated. <laughs> I was taught it in 11th grade. And was convinced that no worse book had ever been written in the history of mankind because the method of teaching this book was to take more than half of a semester to read this thing and we were being made to do constant busy work projects that had nothing to do with anything. We had to do... You skipped the whale rendering chapters, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's just basic teaching one on one. When they're what just about the fuck, knot tying. Yeah, when they're just not tying knots and making oh, ambergris, oh, like no, no. you skip that shit. No, we will get to that. We will get to that. <laughs> I was forced to keep an illusion journal. Yes. Where every allusion to any other work or cultural thing I had to write down and show for like credit every single day. I was made to create crosswords and word finds 
based on the book. Look, man, when kids I, when kids lie about reading to you, when it starts nearing into its second decade, you start getting fucking paranoid, all right? And you start doing everything you and can. And the, the ultimate... I, I'm not saying it wasn't bad teaching. I just feel bad for that poor poor person, because they, they got burned out. Well, she got her revenge, because the piece de, resi- <laughs> de resistance was... Everyone was forced to take one chapter of the book, I believe chosen at random, and create an abstract art piece. (laughs) And that's not enough. We were forced to display our art piece in front of the class and give a half-hour presentation on what it meant. That's the kind kind of shit I would assign if I was going through a divorce. (laughs) Nothing matters. Right. Abstract art. You're going to performatively dance Moby Dick for me. Do it. (laughs) And so when this freight, this heavy freight of awful busy work was getting piled on us constantly for months, we got to the Cytology chapter, and it was a welcome relief. (laughs) It was my favorite part of the book because she couldn't come up with anything to torture us with during that chapter yeah uh and so i was convinced it was the worst thing in the world and then i was taught it in college by a really brilliant classroom professor who actually knew how to teach books and it became one of my favorite books no i don't think that's a sideways approach to this question i actually think that's like a really good approach i I actually have a similar kind of a similar approach to this whole thing Did you have to do whale songs was there like a invent your own whale song because it would just be. It would just. It would just be, be Jamiroquai. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Looking back, it's actually surprising that that didn't happen. Or if it did happen, it's not surprising. It, it happened it now. Out. Right. Yeah. All right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, so I grew up in a family of English teachers, and so when I was in like fifth, sixth grade, my grandma was like, "Have you read Gatsby yet?" And I was like, "How what?" And so she was giving me Gatsby. So I was getting the classics early on. One of the classics that I never got early on, and so therefore thought, because I haven't heard it from a trusted family member, it must therefore not be good. And in fact, didn't have to read it until college, was Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut. And I hadn't fucking (laughs) touched it. You didn't get it it because there was a picture of boobs in it. That's right. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I hadn't touched it. I hadn't thought about it. You know, I'd certainly heard of it, but I wasn't, like, about to read it. And so I was asked as part of a communication course – uh, when we were talking about you know the nature of civic discourse uh, and civic resistance, what it was like to have a banned book, um, and so I was asked to read one of five banned books, and I chose Slaughterhouse Five. And an hour into it, I thought, well, like, wait a minute, this is the best thing I've ever read. <laughs> and of course, in in the time that passed, Vonnegut has become my favorite author. You know, Vonnegut and Kenneth Burke, I'd go to the mat for like maybe over my wife. The good news is she doesn't listen to this, so she's not going to be frustrated by that statement. Um, I had no interest in reading reading Slaughterhouse-Five. I felt like uh, just because I hadn't experienced it before, it had gained favor by way of having been banned and popular because it was banned. And I thought, I don't like war texts generally. I don't watch war films. I don't read about war things. I don't want to know about World War II and the horror of World War II. And I couldn't have been more wrong as a fucking, you know, 20-year-old to go back and re-experience what it was like. Yeah, like like when when you're in a... The 21st century yeah. U.S., you're like, war thing. I was like, right. you can't put it into words. I was like, oh, I can't wait to see the 13 hours, let's wave the flag. That's right. Kill yeah. the other kind of huzzah. And it's Nazis, so that's an easy thing. And then it's like, oh, no. No. It's just horrible and absurd. Yeah. 
This from front to back. Wait a minute. This book is about aliens. Why the fuck is it about aliens? <laughs> yeah. You know? And when you're old enough to really start to process that stuff and then to pick it up and then to go read another Vonnegut and another Vonnegut and see the depth to which one kind of approaches the randomness of the universe and how to make sense of things, like, holy fucking shit. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it's become the thing which set me on a path to identify my favorite author of all time. I will say uh, a similar experience was The Stranger, which is something I only read a couple of years ago because I wanted to avoid all of that literature generally and then I read it, I was like, God damn, these French people, though, you know, uh, and I kind of wanted to jump in the boat. Uh, but but answer to the question, book I thought I wouldn't like, in fact, actively avoided for a number of years of my life and then got into and oh, my God, it's been that book is Slaughterhouse-Five. So I think the theme here has been read the classics so far. Uh, yeah. Ross, what do you have? Yeah, um, probably a lot of Russian literature. Like there's there's, there's a lot of uh, not deviating I, from the theme at all. Yeah, no. Like, well, because you think of books that you were you you thought you you wouldn't want to read and then you you did read. Like, right. So like. Like that's school books. Like I mean, what yeah. what if it's a book you don't want to read for pleasure? Then you're just not reading it. Right. So yeah. like, uh, I mean, there were some sci-fi novels that were harder to get through, like Dune and stuff like that. Sure. Like uh, and the Illuminatus trilogy. But when I was young, I mean, I read some stuff that like yeah. I had to read for work. Yeah. I ended up liking like Rotten Ruin. I was expecting to be terrible, but it's actually a pretty good one. Oh yeah, movies. I thought yeah. about that. I read a shit ton of YA, but like, and, like, the, like when I'm surprised. Who's the I'm author very surprised. for Rotten? Ruin? Jonathan Mayberry. Yeah. Oh, so, that's yeah. really interesting because yeah. he wrote what I think is probably the worst horror novel that's ever been written. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wait. You, all right. Right. No, 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 that's Dean Koontz. Whatever. Well, maybe. maybe. There, there's the <laughs> you second, misspelled it. Yeah, the you second mis- book in the Dead Man Song trilogy. Okay. I've not read any of that. I've only read Rotten Ruin. A hundred percent rehashing and repeating and summarizing what happened in the first book with literally almost no new developments whatsoever and I believe it's longer than the first Okay, one. so that's literally de- like Dean Koontz, but right. he just does it for Stephen King novels. Like. <laughs> right, yes. So, Alright, we're well, off track. Anyway, we're starting with better uh, The material. death of Ivan Ill- Illich in particular. So. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I like notes from an underground. How Some of the Russian literature stuff, though, like yeah. Uh, wild yeah, like, crime no, and punishment. Yeah, no, yeah. I read War and Peace. Yeah, I'm not. I have not read War and Peace. No, and I, I have, and I still regret it. That's <laughs> like, from an underground. It's a good yeah. pull because yeah, like, yeah. Dostoyevsky was actually yeah, 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 kind yeah, of yeah, near yeah. the top of this list mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Okay, uh, another beer, uh, another topic. We'll be back in just a second. What are you drinking? So it's only fair that yeah. since I had arguably one of the best beers I've ever had in my entire life, that I would also then be subject. <laughs> well, I mean, don't don't here's don't malign it before you've tasted here's it. Here's what I want to say about the Champagne Velvet brand beer from Upland Brewing Company. Is it Upland or Upland Wheat? Upland. Okay, just Upland. yeah. Upland's wheat ale here. Uh, Pick okay. any different and name. And like brand beer off. is in the name. It That's smells, what it's actually called. So so I remember the I remember smelling beer at like eighteen or nineteen and thinking like why would anyone want to drink that skunky shit? <laughs> That's what this smells like. So <laughs> I'm really do okay. just do it. Get, All right, Stillwater Rule. He's taking a sip. I mean, maybe, maybe it does taste. Maybe smells are deceiving. I maybe mean, it's all the, really good. Ooh, that's not a good face. No. The, yeah. the fucking sticker has like it looks like a Schlitz can from the 1970s. It does, and it has a big CV on it. I'm yeah. like, is that a CVS beer? <laughs> on the front end, it tastes like a Miller High Life, and on the back end, it tastes like a penny. So. 
So yeah. Well, with that recommendation, so it's a it's a Halloween town. So basically, it, uh, all right. Caleb's gonna die. Worst thing. Oh, Caleb's God. gonna die. Caleb. It's like yeah, yeah. Oh, that's bad. Oh, I, oh, God, it does smell bad. One time in the Mercury Grand Marquis, I hit a skunk, and then I hit a skunk, <laughs> yeah. and then I had another skunk in three days in a row, yeah. so it just became oh. the skunk. We started calling the car the skunk Yeah, and that is the oh. taste I got in my mouth. Yeah, sure, yeah no, Rob, you have to suffer, too. Yeah, right? I mean, apparently... Fuck God, me, this, that is a hard one. <laughs> that's a hard one. This smells <laughs> like shits I've taken after beer. That's yeah, right. yeah. Yes. God. Yeah. It tastes like them, I imagine. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a porta john in the yeah. Son, yeah. Oh, what is this in my mouth? It's terrible. So, anyways, really, thanks, guys. Yeah, I'm um, the lord of the depths and the heights. Right. Yeah. Oh, right. You, shit. you are the bell curve. What, is, what is about anime. Indiana that makes people brew such a wide disparity of beer? Well, I mean, I will say there's a there's a I'm brewery. Just, I'm that, just chugging the other beer now. There, there's a brewery I saved you guys from yeah. uh, that is oh. in my town that is famously terrible. What is it called? Uh, it's called Peoples. Peoples. And I was gonna maybe bring some. There are a couple like single bottles you could get at the grocery store, and like I was looking at them, and one of the two that they had had a racist cartoon character on the sure, bottle. Yeah, let's like, not yeah, do not, that one. We're not doing that. All right. So, in uh, <laughs> Ask Mix Six, Coop, Copper Crane. I'm wondering. And is, is, is it is Copernicus? Copernicus? Yeah. Copernicus, check your autocorrect. Yeah. But for now, I'm gonna go with what it says on the list. Oh. Copper Crane. Yeah. Uh, thank you, officer. Uh, asks. <laughs> Uh, what are your favorite anecdotes to tell at parties, and can you tell them to us? Follow up. What makes for a good party anecdote in general? That one's from me. Mm-hmm. 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 I got one. So, like, this was one of the ones that I actually left off the list because I thought, don't tell this story. But then you put it on the list. So I was like, okay, so we're going to talk about this. So here you go. This is a story that I tell pretty regularly when people are like, hey, what's the weirdest thing to ever happen to you? And so I want to tell the story. Well, to be clear, after you tell the story, you have to extrapolate right. base principles And I'm going from to. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Totally, okay. totally, 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 um, So here you go. Uh, a couple of years back. So for what it's worth, we've probably talked about this. I've lost like 70 pounds as a human between 2010 and 2000 and wherever we are. Brag about it, why don't you? Well, <laughs> and, I, and yet I'm st- I still look like a complete fat goob. You know what I mean? So it's like I need to, I really need to step on a treadmill like once a year. Uh, neither here nor there. Yeah, that'll do it. One, yeah, once a year. Just I've, once I've a year. That, I've heard that that's the real secret. My understanding is it's actually very easy to lose weight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I see yeah. a lot of commercials that people are like, don't even do anything. Um, and so uh, I go see some good friends of mine. In fact, I, I was in his wedding. He was in my wedding. Uh, and his wife is absolutely wonderful. And so I go to see them some years back. It's like 2012, 2013. I hadn't seen them since we left our master's programs in 2010. And in the period, I'd lost a bunch of weight. And so I walk into the house and I see both of them. Uh, and she says to me, oh, my God, you look great. You need to tell me what your secret is, which I really appreciate. To wit, I said uh, a bunch of water and cocaine. <laughs> at which point, at which point, her mother, who I'd not yet met, pops out of a bedroom I did not see and says, uh, you need to be careful with that. Her father died of a cocaine overdose. Oh! <laughs> Your story's wow. almost exactly the same as my story. At Holy which, shit, we are totally going to get the base principles here. Yeah. At which point I thought I looked at him, who who was probably the better of my two friends, and I said, it was wonderful seeing you. I'll see myself out. And he's like, no, 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 stay. And I ended up staying, and they made tacos, and it was wonderful, and I played pool with her stepdad, and it was a great evening. Um, but to this day, I mean, it's now five or six years ago, and I wake up with night sweats about having <laughs> fended, offended someone at that level. 
So I tell the story like when people ask me like about most awkward moments or weird things uh, that have happened to you. And what what it's come to for me in terms of base principles is like tell a story that seems simultaneously both impossible for someone to relate to because they were not there for the specific thing. It is specific to you. That's right. But generic enough in its violation of some principle. Contains a base emotional thing. That's right. I think also self-deprecating. Because that's important. my mind. Like, very it's important. very important to be like not like smarmy. Hey, here to network. Here's my card. That's guy. right. At party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like so for me, like this having a sense of humor about yourself seems pretty important. Yeah, an authentic sense of self-deprecation. Yeah. Right. Uh, I was making a joke, obviously. So specific enough to you that other people can't relate to it, and it seems fantastic, but generic enough in its core principle that someone is like, oh my god, I too have violated the social contract in that way at some other point. Mm-hmm. And so now you can get a conversation It's going. both fantastic and also has a strong anchor for empathy. That's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Caleb, it sounds like you've got something that right in line let's, with this. Let's let Rob go. Okay. No, all right, all right, I think all right. I need to go last on this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I really <laughs> do. All right. So uh, base principles, I think we're, we're exactly on the same page. We're tracking. Without, without, without even coordinating beforehand. So uh, I didn't tell this story for years except when Tom... Uh, my best friend from high school forced me to tell it. God, your face is just tragic. This I'm not beer even is ha- so bad. I like. We I have mean, a I've friendship where I'm generally beer. happy when you're mildly uncomfortable because we can sort of lord it over each other. I'm, I just feel sad for you. It tastes like blood on them, but not good blood even. <laughs> no, on I, mean, the back I mean, I've had plenty of beers since that one tiny taste of that, and I still taste it in my mouth. <sighs> I mean, okay, keep going. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, so I was in high school. Uh, speaking of weight. It seems to be a common thing. I was 320 pounds. Right. I was an enormous man. Uh, I had a top locker, and uh, both Kyle and Tom, and I'm going to call this Lady Jade. I'm going to call the female character in this story Jade. So Jade was not from the best of homes, I imagine, uh, but I had no interaction with her before having a locker directly above her. Um, And so at one point, like, senior year, we're talking like – I, I am uh, getting something out of my locker, and she comes up with her, you know, friends who are of a certain quality of white, namely a quality you would throw away if you were putting in category. And she comes behind me and she says, Hey. And I'm like, Hey, what's up? And I, I literally didn't know her name before this point. And she's like, Just waiting for your fat ass to get out of the way of my locker. And I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was taking too much time. He goes, you've been here all year with your fat ass getting away in my locker. I'm like, okay, I, I apologize. This is really intense. And my friend Kyle is just like, this is this is odd. <laughs> this is aggressive. And then she goes to get his locker. Nothing comes of it. A uh, couple days roll by. Uh, so I am getting stuff out of my locker, putting it in my backpack. I uh, feel a sharp pain in my ass. Did she stab you? And I look behind, and she has a fork from the cafeteria with my blood on it. Ass blood. That she has stabbed me in the ass with. Which is what that beer tastes like. At which point she (laughs) says, uh, I was just seeing if your fat ass was done yet. Oh, God. Wow. At which point I'm like, what is wrong with you? And then she comes at me with a fork again, and then I'm like, well, here are my strategies. I punch a girl... Or I run, so I go fleeing down the hallway from a girl with uh, a fork. So, a couple more days pass. She doesn't come to school very often, good old Jade. Um, I am at the locker. She is there. 
uh, she says, am I going to have to stab your ass again when I come up to my locker? Because she's there first. And I said, no. And then I'm not a good person. I, I stuck my foot into her locker and raked it all out onto the floor. And like, your ass is going to have to pick that shit up. And then I grabbed my stuff. At which point she tried to stab me with a real knife. Then the judo kicked in. So I did sort of take and disarm a girl in the middle of a hallway and disarm a knife from her. At which point I did get called to the office. But thankfully there was a camera. So then the Mexican drug lords come in. So Jade's boyfriend was named Pablo. That's not a joke. Uh, I don't have to make up his name because he's dead now. Um, anyway, Pablo um, told me that if I didn't lay off of Jade, and by lay off of Jade, I meant be in a locker above hers and also be fat, uh, he was going to come, stuff was going to happen, at which point Tom was with me, having heard this whole story, and while Pablo was there threatening my life, is laughing hysterically because it's the funniest thing he's ever seen. Good old Tom. At which point that night... A uh, car blasting Nelly sets outside my house for two hours with Pablo sitting on the hood while my father wonders whether we should get the guns or not. So then Jade doesn't finish school, oddly enough, because she was having a hard life. Um, At which point we're nearing the end of senior year and people say to me in band class, because I am a uber dweeb, um, remember when Jade stabbed you in the ass with a fork? And you had to get, like, stitches in your ass from the nurse at a public school. At which point, we all had a, we all had a good laugh. Everyone had a good laugh at my extent. Um, to which I said, man, and I don't know why I said this, but at which, I said, at which moment I said, some people are better off dead. At which point, the intercom immediately turns on and says, students, uh, we need to make an announcement. We need to have a moment of silence. Jade Smith has died in a tragic car accident. Oh, my. (laughs) So the previous night, she had drank a bottle of wild turkey and gone speeding down a road and hit a tree at 90. At which point, everyone in the band class now thought I had the power over life and death and began Uh spreading away from me because I literally just said that, except Tom, because he's my best friend ever, who was on the floor... (laughs) <laughs> vomiting he was laughing so hard at me oh, no. <laughs> and that was my story yeah yeah, yeah. my um, okay <laughs> well that's that's violent yeah uh-huh. yeah but it's irreverent self-deprecating it i did get stabbed in the ass for being too fat one time right um she was a terrible trash person and i'm sad she died but you know i've learned not to say those things anymore by the very basic after school special of the thing that happened. God, what if you find out at some point that she was actually like a world-renowned chef literally testing the temperature of your bottom? So, like, Hannibal Lecter, she was a cannibal? Yep. A world-renowned cannibal. That's right. Your your alternative situation here? How does one become world-renowned as a cannibal? Like, what is the cannibal? Have you seen Silent Hill? I mean, you need to get Tom Harris to write a He's a fictional cannibal. You know that, right? I don't know that that's true. I don't don't want to place my best on It's important for me to know that you know. So I wouldn't tell that story for years because I felt really bad about it. Yeah. But I shouldn't feel bad about it because people have said that all the time, and then the other people don't suddenly die in a car wreck or have it announced at the yeah. exact same moment. Yeah, I think you're safe here. Uh, yeah, but uh, it's irreverent. It sort of takes you down a notch. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, I feel like high school was really the ass scars that we got along the way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's right. And to our new friend, 
Oh, man. Um, okay, this isn't going to be as over the top compared to the other stories as I thought before Caleb started. That's on why I wanted you to go first, bro. Uh, but I tried I, to. Yeah. I tried to play it. I can. Straight. I can still hold my own here. <laughs> Spring break of my freshman year of college. Good start. Uh, we, rather than doing like the normal thing that college kids do, we did something far, far nerdier because we were in an honors elective class, the pet project of one of our favorite professors, The Vampire in Folklore Fiction and Film. A, uh, a college credit course that was vampire shit all the way from Eastern European folklore. If this becomes a World of Darkness story, prehistoric. No, 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 no. Uh, although none of what happens would not fit. Um, we studied stuff. He was an amazing professor, one of the best classroom teachers I've ever had. It was easier to determine what languages he didn't speak and what books he had not read. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a study trip for spring break to Romania to legit the former sites of Wallachia. We saw the birthplace of Vlad Sepesh, the house, the little house he was born in. We saw his fortresses. We did the whole goddamn spring thing. Break! This spring was break! this was a like tour guided bus tour through the fucking Carpathians. We literally had our tour guide bribing government officials who had AK-47s to let us see stuff that we weren't supposed to be able to see. Oh, God. We saw like the <laughs> parliament building that still had bullet holes in the side of it from Ceausescu's flight. Uh, it was unbelievable. But our bus left off at Sigishwara, which is the town in which Vlad was born. And these people are horny for vlad the impaler he's like george washington raised to the power of martin luther king well i just came up with the episode title yeah. anyway go on i'll go, I'll go ahead and add that to the deck. yeah just 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 type that in there right and so now. this this entire town like the town center the part that was the town long ago is completely preserved and restored as a medieval town it's a big tourist destination um and we were put up at an inn there and we were done for the day we've been driving all day through the mountains and we wanted to do something fun it was spring break and like there wasn't any organized activity until the next morning <laughs> right and to be clear to to be perfectly clear not to not to dress you down on this rob to do something fun for spring break, maybe the first answer is don't go to Romania. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you might think that, but listen to the rest of the story. Okay, <laughs> all right, all right. Um, the wet t-shirt contest was so all the Romanian listeners are now like totally offended. <laughs> right. No, no, no. How dare There's, you question their party ability? No, d- and, okay, and maybe legit. not Romania general, but not look like a famous impaler. Well, okay, <laughs> like, okay, yeah. okay. We wanted something to do. We were wandering the streets of Sikishwara by night. And got acquainted quickly with the timeless Romanian tradition of just fucking closing your business if not enough people are coming in. Uh, nothing was open. Slash vampires are coming. Sure. Yeah. I mean, also, <laughs> night, very dangerous, very dangerous time. Yeah. And so there is a, it's a tourist town. So there's a growing, in terms of, in Romanian terms. All right. All right. You let me finish the fucking story. Yeah. No, go ahead. <laughs> So there's actually a growing crowd of young people who the Santa Fe of want something to do. I mean, there were literally dozens of, of college-age people who were like, well, this is shit. Uh-huh. And our group met up with some Hungarian folks who were also vacationing there for, like, the day. Because it's not that far to mm-hmm. drive, really. If you, um, And 
most of us from the study tour decided, okay, there's a liquor store open. We're going to buy a bunch of booze and get blasted and just call it a night. Uh, We're going to cut our losses. Four of us, myself included, were not sated. We were not going to be like, okay, this is enough. No, we're going to get our money's worth out of this fucking trip. We met these four Hungarians. Chobi was the one who spoke English. Mm-hmm. He was a very charismatic guy. Named after a yogurt. And <laughs> not Chobani. <laughs> Chobi. The yogurt's named after him. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> another solid episode title. There's a lot of competition. We, we went to Pizza Hut and had cognac because it's Romania and they have cognac at Stolen from a truck prices at Pizza Hut. Hmm. It's all good. Don't ask questions. Mm-hmm. And he assures us that in Targmaresh, a little ways away, it's his hometown, they do not do this bullshit. Everything <laughs> is open in Targmaresh. We have clubs. We have the, the nightclubs with live rock music. It's going to be a great party. You come mm. with us to Targmaresh to party. Much less disappoint than this place. And then you were taken. And That's right. <laughs> yeah, this sounds like the opening of the Hostel movie. Yeah. It's going to sound more like the opening to that. Um, so we were all very drunk, and we were also all idiots. So we were like, yeah, let's do it. We took a cab through the Carpathians, the dead of night. Some of us actually rode with Chobi and uh, Marius and Adrienne and Erzabet, uh the two women who were with them. Uh, really giving a read to these Romanian tour Seriously. guys here. Mar- Marius yeah. didn't have much to say, but Put he was very blast. large. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway. Uh, were they wearing tracksuits? Chobi was. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, and we didn't know. I mean, this was yeah. a while back. We didn't know what that meant. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we end up at a place that he was, He was. oh, sorry, actually, the club I thought was actually closed. We go to this other club. It's just as good, I promise. And we end up in a strip club slash brothel uh, that defied all expectations. And so we're partying with uh, this. Hold on. <laughs> What expectations did you have? Those breaks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh, They had electricity. I mean, come on. It It was both more like well-appointed and scarier than we thought it would be because of the atmosphere. Because my only expectation of Carpathians at this point is what Vigo does to Dana Barrett's baby in <laughs> Ghostbusters 2. Sure, sure. And I'm like, so were there a lot of paintings or a lot of babies? Because I feel um, like either is a violation. It's one of the there. two. Right. So yeah. things are going fine. Like, we're drinking, we're, we're partying with these guys, and the topic of what we do comes up. In a brothel? And it turns. I know what they wanted you to do. No, no, no. Like mm-hmm. job wise, like what our vocations oh, are. Oh, okay. And we in find, a brothel. And we find out. <laughs> we find out that Chobi, maybe I take things in my car that maybe someone wished to buy, but there is a problem, and so I take it to a place where someone buys it. He's a gun runner and drug runner for the Hungarian <laughs> yes. mob. Marius is his muscle. He's heavily armed. Ersebet and Adrian are not just like they girls, they're their girls. Wow. Oh and we, God. it's late, late, late. We've been partying, we've been drinking and smoking, and like, we end up being like, mm, you know, we really need to go back to Sigishwara so that we can hit our door bus in time. And we end up in this thing where he wants us to pay for the girls' drinks for the evening and then pay the difference. For him to take us back right. to Sigishwara. And yeah, this is how pimping works. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, 
I'm not sure how I feel about this. One of our number had become a bit belligerent uh, over it's the course of the It's a great idea when you're next Perfect. to our Hungarian mafiosos. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and he's like, oh, no, we'll just, you know, we'll pay you to take us back. But, like, everyone pays for their own drinks first. And, like, we'll pay you when we get back to City Squares, blah, 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 blah. And, like, they just keep going back and forth. And it keeps getting a little more heated each time. And there are bouncers hovering by our table. Which I don't know whether to be scared or thankful for. <laughs> and what, scared. what ends up happening <laughs> is the guy who's a little heated is like, fuck this, we're going. Literally just stands up and leaves. And I have to make a very split-second decision. And I can say that like the stories of people's adrenaline burning away their alcohol is totally true. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Uh, instantly sober. You Insta- sober up immediately. Instantly more sober than I have ever been. <laughs> yeah. I'm sobering up now just thinking about it. Yep. But um, So I help these two other guys who are like almost too drunk to stand to get up from the table... And try to follow this guy out onto the street. Because I figure at least we'll be slightly harder to kill if all of us are in the same spot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a math game. No, it's a math game. Because <laughs> they can't hit all of you. Uh, because, like, the guy has, like, the one gun. And, like, uh, everyone else seems oh, yeah, to no, have knives. Fair. Anyway. And, uh, anyway, we get out to the street and I feel a hand come down to my shoulder. And it's Marius. He's showing me what's under his jacket with a no-nonsense look. Uh, this other guy and Choby are screaming in each other's faces Choby. on the side of the street uh, about how, oh, you know, we're never going to make it back to Sigishwara alive. That's a literal quote that I heard. Uh, and thank God for drunks and the protection of Dionysus himself, which is the only thing mm-hmm. that I can credit with my continued existence on the planet past age 19. <laughs> um the two non-angry, non-rob people in my group were very hard to manage because they were falling down. <laughs> one was trying not to vomit, and one was literally pissing on the wall. Mm-hmm. And Marius was having to sort of try to corral these people. And I guess the order hadn't come so down. So we from- left them to die. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the order hadn't come down from Shobi. Rest yet. in peace. Uh, yeah, God rest their souls. Um, so. They had their hands full. Chobi was doing the whole alpha male performance mm-hmm. thing across from this other guy. And Marius was trying to keep these other two corralled. And I saw this George R.R. R. Martin-looking motherfucker asleep in his cab. Like in his taxi. Right next to us. And so I work my way over and knock on the glass behind myself, not looking at him. And I say over my shoulder as he <laughs> rolls the window down, Sigishwara fast <laughs> and i give him every cent that i have something like two hundred dollars in, in in american like in, a, in, in romanian currency uh, transferred and he gets it he unlocks the car and he starts to slowly roll the cab <laughs> good i managed to get the doors open and thank god they figured out what was going on we literally, the four of us, pile into a moving vehicle as as Chobi screams and pulls out his cell phone and starts calling people. And we do a fucking very, very fast hairpin turns through the Carpathian Mountains <laughs> middle of the night thing. Apparently this dude, Jacob, the 
cab driver like knows this situation because he was seemed very casual about the whole thing. <laughs> the man is a Carpathian taxi driver. I feel like he's done this. And yeah. and so these are his be- best earning nights. To be clear, do you know that Yakov wasn't the end of the mark? No, yeah. and I don't fucking care because I'm alive. Because <laughs> that's a well-designed right? fucking con. It's a long con. If Yakov is in on it, it I fucking it, love this. Yeah, it, that's that's the real, like, you never really know at the end of the story. But we get well clear and into the mountains where we're clearly not being followed anymore. And he looks at us in the rearview mirror and he says, American? And we're like, yeah, yeah. And he's, he suddenly lights up with this big smile and he says, Guns and Roses! <laughs> That's what he took from all this. Yes. Yeah. And so we sang Welcome to the Jungle uh, as loud as we could <laughs> as we flew through the mountains by night. Uh, got dropped off in the town square of Sigishwara because it was dark by then. We were drunk and we had no fucking idea where our hotel was. And we were just wandering around the streets until the sun came up enough that we could figure out where we were. And, like, there just came this moment, like, what the fuck did we just do? Yeah. Yeah. Why are we alive? So, to tell a good party anecdote, self-deprecating, kind of irreverent, or... Just like a lighthearted taken. <laughs> Fairly Brothers romp through Liam Neeson universe. First act of Hostel, right? Yeah. 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 Like yeah. A first act of Hostel that never really gets going towards the horrible shit. Yeah, right. yeah. And, and, and somehow we lived. And, yeah. and, and the, the, the epilogue to this is when the tour guide came down for breakfast the following morning. We didn't have time to sleep. We had like an hour before oh, it was yeah. time to get up at that point. I told her that we had gone to Targmaresh. And she went white as a sheet because apparently the center of the movement for Hungarian uh, secession and independence was working in that city. And had we gotten in trouble, there would have been absolutely no law enforcement response that that town was owned by the mob at so that point. This episode is sponsored by the Romanian tourists. <laughs> <laughs> ministry. Uh, they're horny for Vlad. They're horny for Vlad. I changed. I changed the episode title to "Horny for Vlad the Impaler" and also Choby. Uh, so uh, just be on the Chobani, yeah. We, yeah, I, God I, bless you. I'm very, anyway, I desperately need another beer. Everyone, so everyone needs more beer. Yeah, Choby needed so many more beers. We'll see you in a second. Oh man, yeah, and you know, you might think that there was exaggeration involved there. Like at least no, I know who can literally corroborate every I part of that. Caleb, what's that? I'm going to drink from Three Floyds, uh, if you're noticing a th- motif throughout the episode. If you're uh, noticing a theme, Floyds. Oh, Christ. It's theme and three I put together. You're yeah. just looking at me. I'm going to let the That doesn't make for good, Mike. But your listener, that's only I mean, half of it. It makes for authentic, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to drink from Three Floyds Yum Yum American Session Ale. Um, I don't. That whole that label is just just incredible, and I don't know if that makes for good beer Very or colorful. bad beer. But I'm waiting for you to tell me it is a. It's going to be a three. That's I'm calling a, it. God, you you know my three face. I do. It's a three face. <laughs> it's a Casper. It's a it's it's good. Let me try it. It's real good. Um, Caleb, while you drink this, what uh, what are we to be talking about? We're going to talk about in your number one pick. The Mix 6 Mock Draft. And thank you for getting on that and understanding how great of a segment this is. Mm-hmm. Um, 
We're going to pick something uh, that this was... Who who recommended this? Did I didn't write this down? This was me. This was you? This, this was all me. you? Okay. Spencer right. Harris, our Spencer best Harris. listener, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> has recommended... Is that even really wow. loafing on his Patreon? He really is. Yeah. He does not contribute anything. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about Mixic Mock Draft. Uh, you've been asked to chaperone two groups of kids during a rousing night of trick-or-treating, but you can't make it. Only using only characters from the Hanna Barbera universe. <laughs> Pick the two characters you believe would make the best Halloween chaperones. Which I, I love it. It just set in with producer Ross that someone that he knows who's sitting next to him came up with this, and he's both he's both fascinated and also disappointed. Is the face that I'm getting right now? Really? Yeah. Look. So here's the trick, people. We have to pull. We have to when we do mock drafts and people don't suggest them. We've got to pull from universes where there's a lot of variants. And we've already done Disney. There couldn't be more. And we've already, and done, we've already done Avengers and DC. <laughs> Which is the grease trap of cartoons. That's right. All that's right. right. It's where good cartoons go to die. <laughs> no, there's worse tears than that. Like, well, what's worse? <laughs> I don't name know. one. Name one. Can you name one? Uh, GoBots. <laughs> Arguable. Is GoBots an entire company Rubik's of Cube. IPs? Okay, uh, cheap uh, licensed uh, stuff from the eighties, like Rubik's Cube, the cartoon. Oh, I can God. say for right, sure that reaching. there were. You don't even know the name. I was right. Rubik's to watch Cube. Yeah. You don't know the name of the publishing company. Okay, we know so the name here's of what I'll do. Here's what I'll say: that Veggie Tales would have been like a deeper cut, but only slightly. Okay, so so having said that, <laughs> Hanna Barbera cartoons. Oh, we've got we've each got to pick two. Rob is the guest. You know of we have honor. a Veggie Tales draft. Coming up now, it, it'll you be said it, that next line. episode. All right, oh, uh, Rob, as guest of honor, uh, what is one of your picks for a chaperone for a Halloween night group of children? Well, now is are, are there any differences between the two groups, or is it simply that there must be two? There must be two. Okay, um, children don't differentiate; they're no, all that's the same. Fair. Okay, well, <laughs> there is something that flew immediately to my mind as a Hanna Barbera character who has, frankly, an unimpeachable record. Of high stakes chaperoning. There we and go. That is Race Bannon from Johnny Quest. Nice. Wow. There is nothing he does. Good pull. But chaperone age appropriate children for trick or treating. God, those kids are going to be getting to some shit. In, they are. He's the guy. That, he's the guy that you like. I'm, I'm sorry. Like Johnny, have you ever killed a man with a spear before? Yeah. Because you're going to learn now. Like those kids are hypothetically going to end up in some part of Romania. Yeah, I was going to say outside of the mountains. Exactly. I was going to say he's the guy you send on the Halloween trip that goes to where my that's right break study tour went. No, to that's a good poll with complete confidence that those kids are coming out fine yep maybe some ptsd but alive They're on gonna the be other okay. side yeah. speaking nothing for the safety of anyone else involved no i love that um but that that's what came to my mind instantly so for me i wanted to i desperately wanted to pull somebody from the flintstones universe but the reality is the bulk of the flintstones universe is a bunch of fuck-ups well and babysitting is you know sort of Padded off to like dinosaurs, dinosaurs. literal and dinosaurs. Like, yeah, dinosaurs. They're, they're, they're the slave cast. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to find here someone who would be both fun for the children, not overly restrictive in a way that would ruin their evening, but also protective enough that I don't feel like I was putting them in a drug-induced arguing with Eastern European mobsters like approach to life. What a weirdly specific thing to bring up. That's interesting. You would be you would be surprised that I would go there, but here I am. Yeah. And so what I've settled on, and here's my deep cut from the Flintstones universe, Betty Rubble. 
I think would be both fun and responsible. And here's my argument. Betty Rubble has, has managed a life of both having Bam Bam as a child yeah. and also not having a broken home <laughs> because Bam Bam is her child. And I thought she gets towing the line between allowing some shenanigan yeah. and maintaining the ground. civility of living with other humans. Yeah. So Betty Rubble is my number two pick. Caleb? Good pick. Uh, I think I'm going to put my honorable mention up one. Oh, now that I think because I thought your number two was I almost put your number two as my number two. And I saw your number two. I was like, damn, he did it. But you're going to bump him. I, I'm going to bump him. OK, I'm going to bump him down. the honorable okay. mention. So Harvey Birdman got bumped. He can fly. So aerial reconnaissance is important during mm-hmm. Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's legally trained and an adult. He's in a nice suit. Hmm. Um, but but I do think that Halloween is primarily about mischief. So you want mischief that will not get too uh, too bad. You won't get it out there. So. What I want to say is that uh, I think that Buttercup from the Powerpuff Girls would be fantastic. Damn. So wait, is she a part of the Hanna Barbera? Yes. Oh, okay. Wow. Who did research for oh, this whoa, nice whoa. segment, Ross? Right. <laughs> uh, so Buttercup, strong sense of right and wrong. You're not going to steal from anybody. You're not going to do anything that has any lasting damage. Uh, but also still a child. But like a child that's not too into it. She's got a dour face. So like you're going to have to really convince her to get into some mischief. But if you do get into some mischief, you do some toilet papering and she's snickering and it's like good hearted fun. And then say some creeper comes up. She can punch through his body. Murder him. She can literally destroy a city with her eyes. No, it's good. So yeah, you're all set. No, I appreciate that. Uh, Rob, what's your number one? This one took some more thought. It didn't fly into my mind quite as quick as race but i feel better about it and that is shaggy okay so i want to tell you something i had him down and i took him off the list so i want to see your argument those kids are fucking on drugs that's what i'm worried about (laughs) responsibility is a factor in chaperoning concerned me with shaggy shaggy so what do you got here well first off those kids are not going on drugs mm-hmm. because Shaggy and Scooby are going to consume all of the drugs. Drugs Fair. are expensive. Fair. They're not also. Get how do they the fund? I, I don't know. How do they buy gas for that fucking mystery van? That's what I'm saying. Shaggy's got a deal on the side. Uh, I feel like Daphne and Velma were heavily involved in the gas. So buying. they're oh, uh, by. Uh, what are you implying? Daphne and Velma are doing. I you just sick Daphne has, Daphne Daphne has and Velma all of the are money. Standing by the side of the road with their thumbs out, trying to entice passerbyers. To stop and and converse with your, them. Your situation's way more sick than I, mine. I just thought Shaggy was selling weed to children. I don't think that's even necessary. I mean, I feel like this is an eccentricity project <laughs> on the part of either Fred and or Daphne, who are clearly old money. Clearly <laughs> old money. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. Like, they've got Bruce Wayne before he had to start hanging out with that's Superman, right. and they try to make it make sense money. There's yacht money there. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, okay, first off, all... In the- a world of closed theme parks. Like, yes. the world of Scooby-Doo is a world of economic collapse. Yeah, they're old money, but they're also traveling around America in a van, yeah. solving mysteries, you know freelance. You One know life you to know. live, Caleb. <laughs> you, know, you know, we could write a whole book, and we could call it Fred Markets. Yep. God, Real good. No. Awesome point. No. There's no. ten awesome points. Yeah. <laughs> there um, actually is a novel I just started reading called Meddling Kids, which is like a reinterpretation of the Scooby-Doo mythos. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the economic collapse that caused it. <laughs> yeah, so, so the idea that some drugs would get past Shaggy and or Scooby to the kids is frankly ridiculous on its face. Um, and That's a good point. And while tripping absolute balls, Shaggy has consistently, hundreds and hundreds of times, managed to avoid literally all harm from both 
fraud and human-based crime and actual supernatural evil yeah, no, I'm with, with, with an equal 100% success rate. Sure. And he'd be fun as fuck to hang out with on top of that. He'd be fun as fuck. I want to be honest with you. I stayed in the Scooby-Doo universe, but I made a slightly different decision. Here's a little bit of a Scooby-Doo deep cut for you. Okay. So I wanted, first I put Scooby, and then I put Shaggy, and then I worried about the responsibility of either or in the ability to protect children in a moment of danger, because I've seen Scooby-Doo, any of them. That a vice squad rolls up and That's right. throws them over the hood of a car. That's right. So you know what I went with here? Scrappy-Doo. Oh, Scrappy. Yeah. Right? No, it's good. Listen, this motherfucker is ready to fight. Okay? He'll protect you as much as a small Great Dane can protect you. And honestly, Great Danes are vicious AF. And and he's still got the like moral sensibility of a Scooby, which is like things are good if they're Before fun. Scooby got deep into the habit. Before Scooby... And got, got the shakes. That's right. Before Scooby got burned out. That's right. Before Scooby met Shaggy. If I'm yeah, being, yeah. When yeah. Scooby met Shaggy is the book that we all want to read or the movie y'all yeah. want to see. Yeah. And it's when a dog starts doing drugs. Well, That's and, absolutely right. And, a you know, talking dog. It's, right. it's, a, it's an even better pick than I thought the moment you said it because it's children. That's right. And, and like they beautiful. won't know that he's horrible. Right. Like they, they won't they won't wish him dead just by hearing his voice cuz they'll see him and they'll be like what what a cool little fucking great dane who just like wants to have fun and punch people. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is like what all a kid wants in their great danes. Puppy power. Caleb, remaining number 1 pick. Uh, I'm going to go with Dick Dastardly and Man. Muttley from Wacky Racers. Man. Out of all the Wacky Racers, you Out chose of all the of Dastardly. Them. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, he's typically on the other side of things. Here. He's a mustachioed villain. There we yes. go. Yeah, you got that. That is also completely ineffectual. You want your kids safe? <laughs> <laughs> Make them the target of a Dick Dastardly plot. Mm. It won't go down. Like he's an anti-chaperone. Yeah, he's the... Mm. But he's so anti-chaperone, he wraps back around... Into full blown meta shit. The Wiley Coyote oh, argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want something to go wrong, make it a Wiley Coyote thing. Also, uh, Wacky Racing, and he's been going at like 100 miles an hour and not harming anyone for like seasons at this point. He's got an adorable dog with an adorable laugh. But like, you're going to get the best fucking candy. He's going to like give your kids like sneaky plans. They're going to be lighting poop on fire on people's porches. They're going to be having like. A TP fest, like it's going to be a great night. No one's going to get hurt, and also whatever scheme he has for them isn't going to come to fruition. And they're also going to zip all over the country at this yeah, point it's pretty good to argument. the best fucking candy neighborhoods. Dick yeah. Dastardly Muttley. It's a sneaky pick, but it's the best pick. It's a it's a sneaky pick. I'm yeah, if be you're, if you're allowed to to have the initial setup of he is plotting against the children, yeah. if that's within bounds, it's almost it's assured not to happen. Yeah. 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 Um, I was just thinking Space Ghost and Princess Ariel. From yeah, Thundar. Space Ghost made my all because like they're like the kids would respect them. Like they're 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 cool but authority figures, and mm-hmm. like they literally have superpowers. Yeah, so, uh, that's the trick. There. Not bad, yeah. but that's the thing. Buttercup has superpowers. Also a fellow kid. Yeah. Also I think, responsible. I think that... Yeah. Well, well, I mean, if, if you want that in a chaperone, yeah. I just want to say this. As a unit, I think that Betty Rubble and Scrappy-Doo are the winners here, but I'm not biased. But as a <laughs> singular pick, I actually think there might be something to this dick dastardly business. So having yeah. said that, we've got one segment left. It's drunk enough, which means we need to grab one more beer, a few more seconds, and we'll be back on the other side.
Spencer, I think you deserve to be commended for finishing the last beer. Oh, thank and you. I just wanted to start with that. But what are you drinking now as your reward? So this is uh, our last beer of the seg- of the episode, and this is from Upland Brewing Company. It's Bad Elmer's Porter. Now, I want to point out quickly before I taste it for the first time that on the side, Upland has a brewed and bottled by Upland Brewing Company and then best enjoyed by March of 18. So we got some time on this thing. You know what I mean? This yeah. thing could sit for a bit. But I'm going to go ahead and drink it now. This is their Porter. It's a really beautiful label for what it's worth. Good for them. It's also from Bloomington, Indiana, and it is a... All right. He's taking a sip. Mm -hmm. He's thinking about it. It's very... I mean, you just don't want dead air on this. This is really me talking. It was a deep sip. Yeah. It was (laughs) was a deep sip. It was not not the tiniest of sips. Sometimes our pauses are fraught, Ross, and they're important for dramatic purposes. No. No dead air. If we (laughs) watch some Alfred Hitchcock, (laughs) if we've learned anything, (laughs) said the man who's never edited anything. (laughs) (laughs) I edit this shit. I edit the goddamn music. The man who's allergic to adding sound. I think what do you mean to say is it's a little so the upland brewing company bad elmer's porter is a little too um tobacco-y for me and so it's probably a a casper which is a a tobacco-y a little bit i want to try it just off that i like a porter so um so imagine that you've had a cigarette and now you're sitting kind of like rolling the taste of the cigarette in your mouth so no that's higher for me that's like good cigar aftertaste but i it, like that it's tobacco-y no i'm not saying you're wrong i just you i'm just into that like tobacco yeah so that's yeah. a four for you yeah that's a four for me that's a three for me. i'm high on port it's a yeah. casper yeah yeah I, a, I tend to agree with caleb on this yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like it's a to- i do agree it's tobacco-y but it's like a nice tobacco yeah yeah it's not like a swisher sweet i don't typically think of like this tobacco is pretty liquidy and therefore i enjoy By the way, it. who could go for a swisher sweet right now a this, tiny this tiny guy. edge of chocolate way 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 oh i get back. no chocolate on that really that is that is I, tobacco and uh, liquid anyway. like a dark chocolate juicy yeah. tobacco yeah, like, yeah. like at the very very end like mm-hmm. almost after what you would think of as an aftertaste definitely I'm, not a one though. i want i want to be clear here my palate is also completely wrecked for the next six weeks after that <laughs> cv thing yeah so it's possible we might have to I take can. a leave of absence from the podcast while you recover. Yeah, that's right. Tongue, hey, tongue rehabilitation therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Some sort of ward. We're here uh, in uh, Drunk Enough, which is our last segment. Uh, Rob, thanks so much for sitting in with us today. We no really problem. appreciate it. If you've listened this long, it's mean that you just chose to stay with us because it's that much fun. As this is no longer behind a Patreon wall, Correct. but you know it is. The Patron Extra Episodes. And if you're not yet a Patreon, feel free to find us on patreon.com slash the mix six where you can get additional content. But until then, it's time for us to talk about is this what you thought adulthood would be damn you just you just you outroed right into it and dagger like in heavy. the heart yeah i am ready to slip some shit under a napkin mm-hmm. and bingo bingo you're dead okay let me tell you where this topic came from um caleb and i have been kind of putting together a hopper of drunk enough topics because we'll occasionally think of them whilst doing other things and or drinking and we'll and go then, oh man and then forget about them and then, and then totally be like, forget about what the hell we're gonna talk about and so this is a deep pull from episode prep a couple weeks ago and we were collaborating on drunk enough topics mm-hmm. but it's something which stuck with me as we were talking about this topic and what stuck with me about it is i was sitting there of a morning at like 7 a.m. drinking coughing, coffee and trying to figure out what I would want to talk about later that day on a podcast in which I drink a bunch of beer and talk about random shit. And I thought, what the fuck, man? Like, I'm 31 and this is what I'm doing right now. <laughs> and it struck me, is this what I thought adulthood would be? Like sitting there, drinking coffee in the morning, getting ready to go to an actual day job that I absolutely adore, and then waiting patiently but but anxiously for an, a late afternoon evening where I was going to get to go drink beer, 
with one of my best friends, one of my new best friends and producer Ross, and hey. fucking, fucking talk about random shit. And I thought, this is not what I thought that all this was going to be when I was 16. So for a few minutes, I want to explore what's the gap here for all of us between what we thought adulthood would be and where we fucking ended up. You know what I mean? Because for me, it's totally different. It's oh, yeah. totally different. Yeah. So, Rob, jump in here. You're you're our guest of honor today. You've brought us some delicious beers. Yeah, add, and some, some, add some suspense to this, because everyone knows, I think, what I'm going to answer, and right. probably what you're going to answer yeah. at this point. Okay. So, yeah. 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 See, a fraught pause, Ross. <laughs> That's fucking fraught. It means something. It adds to the context. Silence <laughs> is an argument, producer Ross. Look, in, in the specifics... Of is this what I thought adulthood would be? Right. Certainly no. I didn't have any idea. I didn't have any way of making a guess that was not random. But in the broader strokes, also no. Right. Um, <laughs> Total whip. Uh, the, the specifics to me are not even necessarily useful or fun to talk about. Right. Because I'm one of those kids who every week had a different dream career yeah. for quite a long time, really. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I got to college, and I could not make myself care about anything through my depression. Mm -hmm. And the only way I ended up graduating was just taking courses from professors I respected instead of looking at a curriculum. Yeah. And I just came out the other side eventually with a degree. Right. It, like, when a degree formed from my random choices. There it was. There it was. So, and of course, that was English literature, so that has nothing to do with As my employment. As it tends to be. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that there's that. Um, but what I always thought in broad strokes, in sort of an emotional concept for adulthood, when I looked at my parents, when I looked at their friends, when I right. looked at people who were older... I thought that adulthood was a pleasant state of stasis where you know the answers and your your role is set right. and you know what you're going to do and you do it right. and you enjoy it yeah. if you can and then you die. And what I've found, what adulthood, if I can be said to be an adult at 30 years old, because I don't feel like one, mm -hmm. is adulthood is actually better characterized at as being a state of peace with the fact that there is no stasis and that things are always changing. There's always something that's broken and yeah. needs fixing. And no one has any fucking answers. Ataraxia. Yes. I don't know and I never will. Right. And, yeah. and, I, and I own that. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, I and, think that's and, and so, spheric philosophy. So the peace that I expected of adulthood right. exists in a very different form than I expected. But with my adult perspective, I think in a form that I may prefer. Yeah. Um, so not knowing leaves room for absurdities like sitting here drinking beers and talking to you know game design and podcasting folks who i've admired for a while who i never would have imagined uh, i would actually spend some time with and this cool guy named spencer 
Which is uh, to say, I'm not admir- admirable. Is it's, it's how, that, <laughs> how that classification breaks down? I feel so. I feel like your mastery of rhetoric Don't, on this. It's podcast okay. You can be horny alone. for Vlad. Like. Right. Uh, your your mastery of rhetoric on this podcast alone makes you admirable. Thank and you. how much you like Kurt Vonnegut right. makes you admirable. Great recovery. Too. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, another fine Indiana export on top of these uh, three Floyd's beers and me. Right. Right. Totally. Uh, yeah. Kurt Vonnegut, three Floyds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rob Stiff. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll go in under three Floyds. That's fine. Right. I mean, we had yeah. the zombie dust. We know what's up. We oh, do. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so it's it's way different, but in the way that I think Gun to My Head matters, yeah. it's actually similar. Totally agree. Yeah. Caleb? Uh, it's way different, and it's way more positive. I'm not saying that adulthood has been like a romp through the fucking flowers by any means, uh, especially with a lot of my – but compared to what I expected adulthood to be based on my experiences in high school, holy shit, is right? this better. I was going to be martyred to the profession of education because I was going to be a virgin for the rest of my life with no one to ever talk to who ever had anything ever in common with me and then holy shit the internet existed and now i am doing regular podcasts based on rpgs which is a thing to be clear i never played until i sat at ross's table i just read and dreamed of playing because i dreamed there were people as nerdy and fucked up as i was uh so the fact that i'm like making money off that now and like getting to be a published author which is the only thing i wanted back then right now and, like, I have a girlfriend that I've had for years that lives with me, and, like, she'll kiss me and stuff in public. <laughs> like, <laughs> the shit the shit that, like, yeah. I imagined adulthood being in high school, like, this is way better than that. Which is where I get to my life philosophy of pessimism by any means until you push on through to zen. Like, just... Just get so fucking bleak and cynical, it wraps back around, and you're okay. Because... This is a fucking walk in the park compared to what I thought adulthood was going to be. I thought it was going to be a sad, fat old man alone in an apartment teaching at a crappy school where no one respected him. And now I'm not alone in that department. (laughs) So to be perfectly clear, everything is turning up roses for Caleb. Uh, I'm so excited for the wheel turn flip on this when everyone who's listens to this for more than one episode is like, wait, Caleb's not depressed about adulthood? That's fucking awesome. I'm really not. You know what I mean? In pessimism. Or rather, I got so depressed about it. You've come out optimistic. That's right. You dick dastardly. Yeah, yeah, you really did. You know, for me, the trick is like, and I was thinking about this in in context the other day. You and I were having a pretty in depth conversation about like how how to literally publish Party Foul. And I'm sitting there at a big whiskey's getting drunk with you, talking about like the math on publishing game about drunk ducks. And I was like, what happened? You know what I mean? Like where I was going to be a lawyer for the first twenty years of my life. So yours is just like a horrible. No. Yeah, it's just like fucking reckoning for a dream for you. No, like no, this no. is so. Here's the context, right? Because it kind of sounds like that when I say it, because it's supposed to. Um, and then uh, you know, I look at it and I'm like, okay, so no. When I was like 16 and I was thinking about where, God, I'm so drunk. Where am I gonna be? You know what I mean? I fucking killed that zombie dust, and then I drank whatever that horse manure was, and so now I don't feel good. Um, don't insult horse manure that way. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's a useful champagne. agricultural. You're right. Well, um, champagne a horse. Yeah. Manure. Uh, and I thought, well, would I be like, you know, so I go to work every day with a dude who I think is just 
awesome, you know, and I work with people that I think are great. And then when I get off work, I go hang out with two dudes that I love and we play board games. And what two of us have now like built this board game. And next week we're going to go to New Jersey, fucking New Jersey to play test with board game with actual board game people. So excited. So that we can come kickstart that board game, hopefully with like one of the more popular webcomic artists in history. Yeah. Did, when I was 16, did I think this was going to happen? No, absolutely not. Metatopia? Yeah, we're going to nice. Metatopia next week, yeah. But but now at 31, I look at it and I go, well, did I think all this was going to happen? No. But did I think at 16, 17, having watched my mom, you know, as a single mother for all those years, work 60 hours a week to make everything work, and then my stepdad, who has been just the commensurate professional, worked with the same company for 30 years, you know, is going to retire with them. Did I think I was going to do all this specific stuff, to Rob's distinction, the specific and the generic? No. But generically, did do I think I got a good um, run at, but when you find the thing you're going to do, do just the absolute shit out of it? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so you and I decided one day we were going to make a board game, and for two years we talked about making a board game, and we landed on Party Foul, and now that we're doing that. You know what I mean? And for eight months you talked about making a podcast before we sat down and recorded anything, and now we're making a podcast. I have – the one thing I have carried from my conception of the previous days is fanaticism, yes. I guess. like. If you're going to do it, just be like... Fucking do it. Damn the torpedoes. That's and right. And do nothing but that and be after it as hard as you've ever been after anything. That's right. Um, so still I, make time for Destiny, though. Yeah, still... Okay. <laughs> Less Destiny. Hey, hey, you know what I'm really after? Right. Destiny. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I go hard in the paint for? Right. And so uh, that, yeah. I, think, I think that's the trick, right? Like, so... Did I predict the content? Nope. Not at all. Missed hard. No. Would have struck out on this stuff. But, but but we got the enthusiasm. We right. predicted the form, right? Yeah, I predicted yeah. the form, which is like find things that you're into and be really fucking into them. Yeah. And for me, that's what adulthood has been: figuring out what to keep and what to kill in terms of time and commitment and energy and resources, and then going all fucking in on it. And if this podcast is a result of anything, um, it's that kind of distinction. So listen, if you've been listening to all of this, thanks so much. It means you've heard some killer stories about random things that happened in Romania <laughs> and some even better better ideas of what you should drink tomorrow if you could find yourself in Indiana and get some zombie dust. And we you appreciate... Can't, but you can't. Yeah. <laughs> right. Keep dreaming, folks, because that's how you end up here. See this horny segment. for Vlad. That's right. I'm horny for zombie dust, okay? Uh, but listen, if you've been with us this whole time, thanks so much that it means that you've devoted your time, your energy, your resources and you're listening to us uh thanks so much for rob uh to rob for sitting in for bringing us great beers for uh interjecting some really awesome useful wonderful hilarious stories into this conversation if you're not already following him on twitter it's at lord of the stith s-t-i-t-h that's right also you can find orpheus protocol at or the orpheus protocol at orpheus protocol there you go on thanks twitter. to chobani for being slow on the draw yep yep we really appreciate <laughs> really, that like, if Yakov, you, if, if, yeah 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 thank you chobi <laughs> for being so alpha male that he was too busy posturing to kill us. That's right. And thanks to Jakob for saving our lives. That's or right. maybe taking us for like a real ride. Cho- I don't know. Uh, he did take you for a ride. He did. Choby, if you're but listening. But I don't know how many kinds of ride. Yeah. Choby, if you're listening. Um, he, he's place. dead. Your I'm inab- sure he's dead. Your inability to act got me a zombie dust, so thank you Fair kindly. Enough. Uh, hey, listen, if you're not only fo- already following us on Twitter, we're, we're at The Mixed Six. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Mixed Six. We've got a page and a group. Check out our website, www.themixedsix.com. And 
If you are a YouTube user, find us, youtube.com slash the Mix 6 podcast. We're now putting all of our free content up on YouTube because we just think it's another great way for you and others to interact with us. If you're backing us on Patreon at all, thank you so much for your support. And if you're not backing us on Patreon but listening to free episodes, we appreciate all of your time, energy, resources. If you've not rated or reviewed us on iTunes, check us out on iTunes. We're the Mix 6 podcast. Give us a five stars and a great review because that helps us find more people and more people find us. Once again, this has been the Mix 6. I'm Spencer. I'm Caleb. And we'll see you next time.